Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hi guys, and welcome back to the show. We are super excited to be welcoming you back to another episode of the Learn to Love podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about something really, really interesting. Um, It's going to be explained the whole episode through an analogy that was developed by one of our team members, and it relates a lot to our last episode on limits. Today's episode is going to be How to Protect Our Hearts the Smart Way. Before we get into this episode, just some updates. Our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog, I just got a new article today. It's really, really in-depth, about four and a half thousand words and full of infographic. Check out our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog to see this article. It's called Love Smarter, Not Harder. And it's largely based on the five love languages that was also featured on our podcast earlier this week on the episode, How Do You Share and Receive Love? So if you want to see another version of this with a bunch of infographics and, and some cool analogies there too, uh, it's broken up into short paragraphs and a number of sections ranging from what are the love languages, what to do if you and your partner have different love languages, how to communicate that, how to start the conversation with them. That's all available on our blog, Love Smarter, Not Harder. All right, so now it's time for this week's episode, How to Protect Our Hearts the Smart Way. Just to recap from The last episode, we talked about limits. We gave the idea that limits really make you who you are. They're so important in terms of understanding where you start, where you end, what's okay, what's not okay. We said that a lot of people don't think about this, but that it's actually so important to really think about so that you can enforce it. A lot of people don't know where to set limits because they just honestly don't know where their limits are. And then things happen and they get upset over them. And, you know, if, if we aren't proactive at this, it's going to be very damaging. If we don't learn to communicate clearly with others what we need from them, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. A lot of people just let life push them around. But we can actually start doing something else, which is, make very clear boundaries or what's okay, what's not okay, and and work to make life a little bit easier. Instead of just waiting for conflicts to occur, better why not just 
try to prevent them from happening uh, in the first place. We said that limits are best when they are clear, okay? Clear, like you know where the boundary is, it's very clear. They are consistently enforced. You enforce them over and over and over again. You don't let it slide. You don't give the wrong impression that it's okay, but actually it's not okay. And they're well advertised. So you, you talk about it with your partner before so that they know about it and you, you remind them if, if you need to. And also as your limits change too, you remind them. We spoke about the idea that you're kind of like, like a very complicated thing. You know, people are very complicated. They're always changing we think that we can just expect other people to know how we want to be treated and that it's common sense, but actually it's really not. And, and we need to be very clear about how we want other people to treat us and share with them kind of like the blueprints of who we are, the blueprint for, for how to love us, how, how we should be loved um, for an optimal, more efficient dynamic between us. All right, so what does this have to do with today's episode? Well, today we're talking about how to protect our hearts the smart way. And we're going to do this through setting a number of limits and boundaries on how close somebody can get to us and the kinds of access that they can get to us as we are getting to know them. This is really like the untaught but very, very important component of dating, Okay, this, this episode is going to be extremely helpful to somebody who's dating or, or looking to set limits up related to dating. We're going to begin this topic with an analogy. So I want you to imagine that you are a house. Okay, imagine that you're a house. And... Imagine that this house has a whole bunch of different rooms, like a whole bunch of different doors and, and things in it, okay? You can have, like, a room that has your passions, a room that has your interests or hobbies, a room that has some of the things that you're scared of or that you worry about, okay? Each room is like a different component of who you are, of what makes you, you, okay? So how are you going to organize this house? I want you to think about the different components that make you who you are and think about where you would place them in the house. So I'll give you an example. Things that you're very comfortable telling people on the surface level, you may place in the hallway next to the entrance. Like, for example, let's say that you study biology in school and, you know, you, you love biology and you love talking about biology. So you could say something like, I'm a biologist or, or I enjoy studying biology. That could be something like at the, at the hallway by the entrance to the house. It's something that you're very comfortable with guests knowing about and guests seeing. Now, the things that you're not very comfortable with guests seeing you would think maybe to place in a more secure location. So in the last episode, we said that you have to believe that something is valuable to feel the need to protect it. So in the case we used like a jewelry box, you lock this box, you hide it, you put it somewhere in your bedroom and you, and you keep that door locked when you have guests. It's making a message that this is important. Okay. And this is 
This is something that I don't want everyone to have access to. So what are, what are those things for you that, that are really important to you and that you don't want everyone to have access to? For a lot of people, this is their, their bodies, especially if you're insecure about some aspect of your body, like, like private parts of your body that you don't want other people to see. Also, like, like deep fears and insecurities. Maybe you're really insecure about, about I don't know, like your, your relationship that you have with your parents, let's say, or siblings. Let's say you have a negative relationship with somebody in your family and you're, you're a bit insecure or ashamed about that and you don't want everyone to know that. You only tell your very closest friends, okay? That's another thing that we would put in this, this safe area, like the jewelry box in our room that our guests don't see. So what I want you to do is I want you to pause the podcast right over here, and I want you to think about what are the different components that make you who you are, and where are you going to place them in the house, okay? Starting with the things that you're most comfortable with others knowing, you can put that in the hallway close to the entrance, you can put that in your guest room, you can put that in your... Um, dining room, and then the things that you don't want other people to know, okay? The things that are really, really important to you or that, that are important to you, but like you aren't comfortable sharing, you're insecure about, you're ashamed of, or or you carry, you carry like, it's just very hard for you to talk about, okay? That's going to go like in the jewelry box. It's going to go in the safe hideaway place in, in your bedroom, which is going to be closed when you have guests. So pause right over here and just think for a little bit about what makes you who you are and where you would place it in your in this house. And if it's easier for you, we recommend imagine like a house that you can very easily identify with. Like imagine the house that you lived in growing up, okay? Or like just a, a space that you're very familiar with so that you can place all of these components of what make you who you are throughout the space and really visualize it. Okay, pa- pause right over here. All right, so welcome back. If you just paused, what was that like for you, visualizing those different components of who you are? Now that we did this exercise, we're going to apply it to dating by continuing the analogy. So I want you to imagine that a stranger approaches this house that you, that you just set up for yourself. And you don't know them, okay? Maybe you've heard good things about them, but you don't know them. And they're coming and they're knocking on the door because they're interested in getting to know you and, and discovering you, okay? This is something you can think of as like a potential partner in love. So what are you going to do when they come knocking on your door? If you're like me and a guest comes knocking on your house and you don't know them, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to them at the door. Okay, just kind of get to know. Who are you? What are you doing here? You know, what brings you here? What are your intentions? What do you want from me? Kind of thing. Okay, get to know them at the door. Let's say they say then, I'm interested in getting to know you better. And um, like, I'm single. I hear that you're single. I'd love to, I'd love to get to know you. What they're doing now is... They're asking you for permission to come into this house that you set up for yourself. So 
if I have a guest like this who comes to my house, okay, for the analogy of the love house, the first thing I'm going to do after talking to them at the door, like an initial screening, is maybe bring them inside and ask them to take their shoes off and talk to them briefly, like by the entrance, okay? And also like before they come in, talk to them from, you know, when you're in your house and like they're standing outside and you talk to them. This is really like, it's a screening, okay? It's a screening. So I'm going to ask them questions like, okay, like, you know, tell me about yourself. Um, what do you do? Like, are you, let's say I'm a student. I'd say like, are you a student? Where do you study? What do you study? You know, how, how did you get introduced to me? Like, who do you know? You know, like, do we have any mutual friends? What are our interests? Do we have any mutual interests? This is all kind of like screening that you're doing at the beginning. Now, if they pass the first screening test, which to me would be like, okay, they're not dangerous and they are interested and I'm interested in getting to know them too, then I would invite them after that in the inside, maybe moving to the hallway in the hallway, you can start to point out the different things about you. You can point out things like, well, if we said before, for our example, that you like biology, you could show them in the hallway like a picture of you doing something with biology. This is talking about our interest on a very basic level, a very shallow level, not too deep. You know, we don't know them so much. We're just giving them a little bit of information about ourselves, the things that we're comfortable sharing that we put in the front of our house, in the hallway. Okay. Now, let's say that we're standing in the hallway, you know, after entering the front door and we showed them those things in the hallway and we're still comfortable with them and they so far are making us feel good, like it's okay and we want to get to know them better. Then I'd invite them to maybe the living room. If your house has a living room or some sort of common space and I'd make them tea or something. And just sit with them and get to know them slowly over tea. Now, what things did you put in this room of your house? Here, I'd ask them questions a little bit more related to like their their passions. What are they? What are they really interested in? What are they looking for? Like, where do they see us in in their life? Kind of thing. What 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 are they looking for? Like a serious relationship? Are they looking for a partner? Are they looking for a friend? What are their expectations? If things are going well here, we can move to the dining room, okay? And we can maybe have some sort of meal together, okay? This is like when you get a little bit more into the different aspects of who you are. Like what kinds of things did you guys put in, in your dining room in the house analogy? Here you can talk more about your family, more about your friends and your interests and your peers and what your expectations are in a relationship and what you're looking for and what your ideal qualities in a partner are. Now, once you've done this exploration phase and you've invited them to the dining room, I would politely ask them to leave and come back another time. That's it. You had a good start. Okay. I'm going to ask them to leave and come back another time. Why am I doing this? Well, I'm looking for consistency. I want to see that they're the person that they really put themselves out to be. 
so I'm going to say, you know, let's do, let's do a, a number of more interactions together over different time periods. And you're looking for consistency because if this person is, is lying to you, they're telling you that this is actually what they want, but really they're just looking for a really quick way to, excuse my language, like get in, get in your pants. Um, you're going to discover that over these multiple interactions. Like if, if that's really what they want and you're patient and, and you keep doing a whole bunch of encounters, eventually they're not going to be so consistent. Something's going to slip and you're going to, to recognize it. Many mental health professionals recommend that people spend 17 separate interactions with each other 17 before doing anything physically intimate, okay? This is a very, very good screening time to recognize who they are, what, what they want from you, if you guys can be compatible, if, if you're really interested in, in getting to know them further and to start a relationship together. So what does this look like, this analogy so far that we discussed? Well, Really, it represents dating. A lot of us don't put limits on what is okay and not okay for a partner or a potential partner to do. And we feel the expectation like we have to give them sex or some sort of physical intimacy after the first date or else they won't like us anymore. Or that's just what we think we're supposed to do. Or a lot of people skip dating and they just go for somebody who gives them attention in a club or something, Okay. This will often lead to hurt if we don't put a screening mechanism in place because we're not actually sure if this person is somebody that can be good to us. The problem when we have encounters like this where we get to physical intimacy very quickly is it often involves showing people the things that we locked away in our jewelry box. Let's say, for example, that you are insecure about something on your body or your ability to be a good lover, okay? Or just insecure about your body in general, or you're not sure if you are beautiful or if you're worthy of love. If you invite somebody to this locked part of the what you hid away in the jewelry closet and then they look at it and then they tell you something like, oh, that's awful, it's going to make you feel even worse. If you can't accept something yourself and, and you're very like ashamed of it or very scared about it or just uncomfortable around it, and then you invite somebody else to make you feel even worse about it, it it's kind of like a recipe for disaster and heartbreak and, and a lot of issues. So we're talking about two separate ideas here right now. The first is introducing things that are locked away in our jewelry box too quickly to, to potential new guests. And the other is allowing ourselves to get too, too close in the sense of like feeling too much for these potential guests. We're going we're gonna to break down on this further, okay? So let's say that this person in our analogy who we were getting to know, they are doing a good job. We understand them. We feel that they understand us. We're comfortable with them and we're happy with where things are going after a number of interactions. It's going well. 
Then we're slowly going to move them around to other places of the house. Once they see the dining room, and we show them what we put in that part of our house, we're going to keep moving, and eventually we're going to get to the jewelry box after many, a long, long time of, of building it up together. After like maybe even months, a year of getting to know each other, we're only going to show that them this box then. Because the more we wait, the more likely we are to find somebody who is going to be good and, and help us when, when we get to this stage, who's going to make us feel like we're okay, like we're good enough, like we matter, instead of taking our insecurities and just making them even worse. Now, the, the beauty of only letting people into certain rooms slowly in this house is that if somebody is being problematic or, or you suddenly you think that they have the wrong intentions or it's just not going to work or you guys are not on the same page, it's very easy for you in that stage to, to, to end it in, in this dating phase, okay? If you only had a couple of interactions and you only showed them like up to your dining room, the rest of your house is still protected. They can't do any damage there because you didn't show that to them. Your heart can only be broken to the extent that you share your heart with others. So many people just go right in and give everything at the beginning. Like they let people do anything they want to their bodies and they love them with all their heart and they know nothing about this person. Let's say that you're uncomfortable with your body, okay? And, and you allow somebody to essentially have physical intimacy with your body after barely knowing them. And then they tell you something like, they call you fat, or they tell you that they don't want to see you again, or they tell you that, you know, they didn't enjoy it so much, or that they weren't so satisfied with the experience. What you're doing here is you're setting yourself up for major, major heartbreak, okay? You don't share things with people that you're not fully comfortable with until you're comfortable with. That's why we have limits. If you don't show people the things that you're very insecure about that are very fragile for you, they can't break them. That, that's so important. What we're doing here is we're setting up a whole bunch of limits on how much of ourselves we give to others to ensure that we get the best, the best people for us. Now, how, how else do we do this? How do we ensure that we get the right people? So a big benefit of moving slowly and slowly introducing people to different parts of our house, the, the analogy house, which is like the parts of who we are, parts of our heart, before letting them have everything or going anywhere they want at the beginning, is that it helps us screen for the right people. So if somebody is looking for an easy steal, they're looking to just come in, go to the jewelry box, take what's there, like the most vulnerable parts about you. So that could be like, for example, having sex, after just meeting, okay, and then leave and not talk to you again or not want to associate with you or not have a relationship or anything, if that's what you were looking for. Um, if, if we make it easy for that to happen or, or we let it happen, 
it's more likely that we're going to get the bad people. The reason I say this is good people who are interested in getting to know us and really want to value us and and make us feel really good and support us are not going to be interested if they see other people coming to the house, going wherever they want in the house, and then leaving. Okay, they're going to think, well, there's probably nothing that much that's that valuable in the house if they're just letting anyone go wherever they want. Because, like, you know, if, if the jewelry was valuable, they would lock the box and they wouldn't allow guests to go there. So they're going to walk and just go to another house. Another thing is that we're not going to feel valuable because if we allow guests to come into the house, go wherever they want, and, and take things from us or, or use us for things, we cannot ourselves feel valuable afterwards because over time our subconscious is going to pick up on the idea that, well, people have been robbing this house anyway or people have been moving freely throughout it anyway, so there can't be anything that that's, that's so valuable here. The opposite happens when we start to protect the house, when we lock doors to things that we don't want random guests to have access to and wait. If you make people wait, the people who are looking for a quick steal, guys, the bad people who are looking to take advantage are going to leave. They're just going to leave because they know, as bad as this is, they know that there are other people who are just going to be much easier to steal from. If, if you make it hard for them, by telling them that these areas are off-limits, they're not going to bother you most of the time. They're just going to move on to someone who will let them move around wherever they want in the house. So what does this look like? Let's say that you want to put physical intimacy or like someone seeing you undressed in the locked jewelry box in the bedroom. People need to work very hard over long periods of time and prove their worth and that they're good to you before they can get here. So what you're going to do is if anyone, like let's say you're out and it, you know, it's late or you're in a place where things like this usually occur or somebody, let's say somebody wants to kiss you, but, but that's part of what you guard, you'll tell them something like, look, I'm not going to kiss you tonight, but if you want to go for coffee, Later this week, I'd be happy to. Or you could do something like you can give them your number and you can say, look, I'm not going to sleep with you tonight or anytime soon. But if you want to go for a walk in the park, I'm free tomorrow afternoon and I'd be happy to. What you're doing here is you're setting the expectation at the beginning and the boundaries and you're making them very, very, very clear. You're saying listen, you can't move around my house and do whatever you want, but I'll meet you at the front door if you want. You know, like there's a process. You want to you wanna get with me? Um, there's a process, okay? Now what this does is it really, really helps with screening because the bad ones are just going to say, okay, like um, I'll go for someone else and they won't bother you anymore. And the good ones are going to be attracted to this. The good ones are going to say, wow, you know, there must be something valuable here if they're protecting it. I want to get to know this person more. It's so important to set these boundaries and set these limits, not just for attracting the right people, but also just for making us feel valuable 
feel like we matter. It's so, it's so nice. Like it, it feels so powerful and like beautiful to tell somebody, like if they ask you for your number, let's say you meet them out somewhere, you tell them, or, or they want to kiss you, you tell them, look, I'm not going to kiss you today. Okay. But I'm open to getting to know you if that's something that you want to do. And then you actually learn to discover this person and discover if they're worth you. So what does different parts of the house represent? We're going to talk now about what they represent, and then we're going to talk about the idea of fragility in the house and why we feel the need sometimes to let people move around wherever they want, okay? Different reasons for this. So different parts of the house represent different stages of dating and and unpacking yourself, uh, like sharing yourself to others. So an example of meeting somebody at the door and talking to them at the door could be meeting them in a public place for coffee, like at a a cafe. We're recording this in in a time of coronavirus, so those those cafes are are not going to be open, at least where we're recording in Toronto. But you can go for a walk, okay? Or you can speak on the phone. These kinds of things. What would moving from speaking at the front door to standing in the hallway be? So that could be like going for a walk again, or it could be meeting for coffee again. Or it could be something else that you enjoy that you think is related to these basic phases. The difference is what you talk about. So when you meet at the door, you you talk about like the things that you will show on the outside of your house that you're comfortable with like a lot of people knowing. And you're slowly, slowly going to move into what's more important and and what 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 is just more vulnerable for you. Okay. You're not you're not gonna say it right away. You can slowly, kind of like an onion, peel back the layers slowly we're going to uncover ourselves. And the living room or the dining room, we could use the example of like having a meal together. So at the start of this, you could do like a picnic in a park or something. And then after you could do a lunch or a brunch or maybe and then later, later, you can do a dinner kind of thing too. Just slowly, slowly, okay? You can start by only doing meals in public places and then you can move to private spaces once you're comfortable, that's what we mean by like moving through the house. And what you talk about is what you placed in these rooms, okay? Gradually, unpeel the onion. Now, what are, what, what do we mean when we talk about fragility? So I want to throw something into this analogy right now, okay? Imagine that you have china, like delicate china like you know those plates and cups that are like very very delicate and very very expensive and a lot of people hide and they only bring out when they have special guests i don't know if it's so common now but but it used to be more common i think in older generations just imagine this like very fragile and like hand painted a lot of them um like plates okay and cups which are actually often more for show than for serving um funny enough but just imagine that okay if you had this very, very delicate and expensive thing, where would you place it in your house? Just think about it. Where would you put it? So if you're like me, like, well, China, when, when I saw it, it, it was always locked away behind the cupboard in the dining room. 
locked away. So like a, a child or someone who's not being careful can't just take it and, and accidentally break it. We have China, guys, in ourselves. This kind of fragile thing. Guys, these, these fragile things are the things about ourselves that are very, very delicate. For example, let's say that we don't have a strong idea on if we are beautiful. If somebody calls us ugly, it can be very, 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 very hurtful if, if we're not sure if we're beautiful to begin with. If somebody knows that they're beautiful, let's say they have a strong and healthy relationship and they've had it for a long time and they just they feel a lot more confident and thus it's going to be less hurtful if somebody calls them ugly because they know that they're beautiful so it's not going to affect them. That's what we mean by, by fragility. So this concept is very, very important in our house because we have to make sure that we keep the china locked away until the guests have earned permission to see it or to use it by proving their worth, that they're not going to break it, and that they have the right reasons for wanting to access it. For a lot of people, this is showing their bodies. They're not sure if they look good in their bodies. And if, if somebody saw them and called them fat or called them a name, it would be extremely, extremely hurtful. Other things are like, like memories that we hold about childhood that affect our understanding of who we are in a negative way. For example, a lot of people have been teased or bullied or, or have some sort of memory where they were called a name when they were children or treated in a certain way, which made them feel really, really bad about themselves. And they're very uncomfortable talking about this to others because it's, it's, it's still hurtful for them. They feel like they're worth less than others deep, deep, deep down. And they're scared that if they share a memory like this with somebody else, that they'll say something like, like they'll laugh or they'll think it's funny or they'll say like, oh, you shouldn't be overreacting. That can ex exacerbate, ex exaggerate this feeling that they have inside of not feeling good enough. Okay? So it, it's fragile if it can break easily, if it can make us break easily, break down, cry, feel very overwhelmed and uncomfortable. Just pause the podcast right over here and think about things that are very fragile for you. This can also be related to our, our soft spots episode, the things that get our emotions from zero to a hundred much quicker, much faster than we would, than, than other people might expect of us because of these memories that, that we hold. So just pause and, and think, what are your fragile things? What are, what are the things that are very delicate that can make you break down very easily? We all have them. So if you just paused, welcome back to the show. What happens is that when we share things that are fragile to us with the right people, and then they make us feel better about them, they become less fragile, they become stronger. So an example of this would be the person who doesn't feel beautiful, okay? If somebody called them ugly and they didn't feel beautiful to begin with, it would be very, very hurtful for them to hear that. 
but let's say that they have been in a very strong and, and healthy relationship for a year now, and their partner is very supportive of them and makes them feel very loved and valued, like they're good enough. Maybe their perceptions of of beauty will change by that point. And if somebody who's like not their partner, not so important to them, calls them ugly, it wouldn't matter because because they. I mean, they wouldn't be a big fan of it, but they wouldn't break down from it because their their self confidence in that area got so much stronger. So it's not it's not fragile anymore. It's like taking those fragile plates and and putting them in concrete or something, like making them much well not necessarily concrete, but like just strengthening them a lot so that they're much harder to break. This is what happens when we have healthy relationships, like validation from the right people that just help us overcome the shame and the fear that we hold inside of us that just gets bigger and exaggerates within us. The thing is, a lot of us are kind of desperate to show our china, our our really fragile parts, like the fragile plates and cups, the china, to other people because we're so desperate to get some sort of validation that will show them to anybody. So take, for example, somebody who, who feels uncomfortable in their body and they just feel like their body isn't something that's worth treasuring they don't know like they don't feel a need to protect their body because they don't think it's beautiful or that it matters maybe they're just desperate for some sort of validation that somebody enjoys their body or somebody finds them attractive maybe that's why they'd be so easy to give away their body so quickly to somebody who shows them even the slightest or smallest interest what we're doing here is is we're we're saying listen i i don't know if like i can take this anymore or i just want you to look at this china and just tell me what you think you're trying to strengthen it but the problem is guys that we don't know and so 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 often we get the wrong kinds of people when we do this because the good people are not going to push Either pushing is just not something that they know or not something that they do, or they think that people who allow them to access their bodies and their other things so easily are just not valuable, not worth getting to know, or they just have the wrong intention to start with. They, they, they're looking for a steal, so they're just going to go for the easy theft, essentially. The easy walk into the house, go right upstairs to the jewelry box, take what they want and leave. That's why, guys, it's so important that we keep the china locked until we get the right people who can look at it and help us strengthen it, the right partners that build healthy, healthy, and strong bonds with us to make us feel comfortable talking about our insecurities with them and strengthening how we feel about ourselves to a more positive and and just easier and simpler light. It's hard to carry within ourselves such a burden of of feeling like shameful or not good enough. But when we invite someone else in a healthy way, after we screen them and ensure that they're going to be, do as much as we can to ensure that they're a good fit through waiting like 15 separate dates first, it's a really good way to weed out the wrong people and, and get the right ones then finally we can trust them to look at our most fragile parts and help piece them together and make them stronger. Some of us pretend that the fragile parts of ourselves aren't actually fragile. Like we think that we're not good enough or not beautiful enough. And we say, you know, I don't care if somebody calls me this, like 
I don't care. They can see me and they can do what they want to me. I don't care. It's going to lead to a reinforcement of negative thoughts of ourselves and behaviors. Maybe in the moment we're not thinking about that often due to the influence of alcohol, which is a drug and does change the way we perceive our surroundings and ourselves. It's also a very common numbing agent. We have a whole episode on numbing, which is coming up. We're, we're going to relook at this in a new light. But it always leads everlasting effects. So many people, even years later, years later, will look back to these situations and think, how did I let myself do this? And they're going to think, like, if I did it, do I deserve it? Do I deserve to be treated this way? It's another thing. The brain makes stories to understand itself and its situation. So if you, if you treat your body in a certain way, like anyone can move through the house, there's nothing worth locking away or protecting, your body is going to believe that there's nothing worth protecting, okay? Which is just going to exacerbate the problem and make it even worse because the more you feel like you have nothing worth protecting, the, the more you're going to let people in without really screening them or hiding or putting anything away and the easier it's going to be for them to just destroy all the fragile parts of ourselves and leave us feeling even worse than ever before. It's often only through like a major crisis or like a light, midlife crisis or something that people realize that they're in this cycle and then start really taking serious measures to, to get out of it. We have other future episodes that are all about getting out of these kinds of cycles, how to improve our self-talk, how to improve our perceptions about ourselves and just feel better. We have a, a whole bunch on this, which is coming up soon. But a big idea is just to recognize that your thoughts become your reality and that your reality influences your thoughts. So it's like a two-way cycle. You have to put yourself in situations and settings which would encourage thinking of yourself as doing something good. For example, like saying, um, you can have my number. I'm not going to kiss you anytime soon, but I'll go for a walk with you tomorrow. That's going to make you subconsciously feel like, wow, I'm something worth protecting. You're, you're creating a setting for yourself where somebody has to work for you. It's a beautiful thing. You're going to feel better just by creating this environment where others now have to work for you. Wow. Like you're going to think about this and say, wow, people want to work for me. I must be valuable. And the other thing is the way you think too. So if you think, I'm valuable, I'm something worth protecting, you're going to feel more comfortable and likely to tell somebody, I'm not going to kiss you tonight, but I'd be happy to go on a walk or something tomorrow. Another thing that we want to talk about is the perception that other people get when they see people in the house. Okay, so we, we said already that if somebody sees people going into this house, which is, you know, what, the house that makes you who you are, and they see that people just come and they take whatever they want and they walk away, like you set it up for easy theft, they're not going to think that there's anything valuable there. So they're just going to keep looking for a better house to knock on the door and get to know. But another thing that happens is people don't come to the house if they see that it's occupied, okay? You can think of it kind of like a hotel room. Like if it's occupied, someone else can't go there. Like, like um, once it's occupied, people see it and they just go somewhere else. They look for a different hotel if the hotel's full or a different, a different house to get to know. So if you have the wrong people in the house, guys, if you're attracting the wrong people 
and you see that they're, they're, they have the wrong ideas and you keep them, what you're doing is you're stopping other people who would be better from, from entering this house and, and from knocking on the door. They're going to see it's occupied and they're going to just keep walking. Now, you should always have a good, always judge people as if they have good intentions, okay? And always give people a chance. But if you notice at the beginning stages, and that's why it's so important to do this, guys, not once you're already in a relationship, but at the beginning stages of first dating, remember, you can only get your heart broken to the extent that you give it away. If you lock away the jewelry box and don't give people access to your upstairs, they can't break that part of you. If you lock away your china and don't give it to them until they prove their worth like they deserve it, you can't be broken in that way. Often we just project other people as like our saviors and heroes, like they would do anything for us. This we would call the lust or romance phase in our stages of our relationship, which is on our blog and also on our podcast, an earlier episode. But if we're looking for them to just solve our problems and, you know, we project them on them that they're our saviors so that they would help us and then let them go anywhere they want in the house, it's always going to lead to disaster. Always wait. Always wait. Take it slow. Now, if you're already in a relationship and it's like, let's say you've been in a relationship for a year already and it's going good for you, we would recommend focusing on strengthening the relationship instead of thinking about other partners. Once you're already in a relationship, it's so, so, so important to change the perspective to strengthening it because most of a relationship is how you build it. I would actually say maybe even 90% of what makes a relationship is the way that you build it. It's not so much once you're already in the relationship, like once you're attracted to the person and you had good a good dating experience and you're in the relationship, it's really about what you do now to build the relationship through talking about things like love languages, through setting limits, making space for yourself, and uh, using conflict resolution techniques, which we're going to talk about things like anywhere from breathing exercises to that first rescue topic, which we keep mentioning, you have to calm a person down first, to having really clear and open conversations about our needs and expectations and fears, learning how to support each other. Okay, but that's once you're already in the relationship. Before you get in the relationship, this is where you do your screening. This is where you think, if this person, you think they have the wrong intentions, you're giving them a couple of chances and it's not working out, once you let them go, other people can come knock on your door, okay? And if the wrong people are coming to your door, you have to think, what are you showing on the outside of your house? What are you showing to the world? These are things like, what are ways that you talk about yourself with others? Like, if you talk a lot about very important personal things to you, you're kind of giving the wrong idea. You're giving that there is, the idea that there isn't so much valuable because you're sharing it so much. So maybe it's, there's nothing worth protecting. Also, like, who do you interact with, guys? People say that you are the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. If you're hanging out with a crowd that's, that's sending a bad message, a message that you don't want to be sharing, you really have to think about what this is showing on the outside of your house. You want to have a very clean outside, the way that you show yourself to the world, the way you talk about yourself to the world, the people you hang out with, the things you do with your time, so that the right people who are looking for a house that looks like it's valuable to, to knock on that door, okay? You, by 
sending out a positive light, you will attract the right people or else they won't notice you. Another thing is, who are you not noticing? Or sorry, they'll, they, they'll notice you, but they'll keep walking, okay? Because that's not what they're looking for. Another big thing is, who are you rejecting? Who are you not noticing? So if, let's say, you had some bad experiences with people of the opposite sex or whoever you're into, and you get angry and you think that they're all bad, Okay, like let's say you didn't set any limits, you let them go wherever they wanted in the house, you said go wherever you want, and then they went to your jewelry box, they took the most valuable things, like like using your body, and then they left. And then you get really mad and you say, all guests are bad, I don't want guests in my house anymore. It's going to be super easy to reject any of those guests that don't push, okay? The nice ones that tell you things like, hey, you want to go for a walk together after school, or hey, maybe we can grab a coffee on the weekend, like... Do you want to meet at this cafe Saturday at 11? It's going to be so, so easy to reject those people because you told yourself that you hate people of the opposite sex. These are the people who knock very politely at your door and they're very, very respectful. And then they ask you their question. And then if you say no, they just walk away. They don't push. But guys, what's going to happen if you do this, if you keep pushing away people who come knocking on your door, especially guys, it's easiest to push away the nice ones. It's easiest to push away the ones who don't push. And the ones who don't push guys are the ones who are very, very often the best ones for you. The ones that say, hey, do you want to go for a walk? It's so easy to say no to that. Okay. Or somebody texts you or somebody looks at you. It's so easy to just say no. It's much harder to say no Let's say you're under the influence of alcohol and somebody offers to buy you a drink, which in, in Canada, by the way, if somebody offers to buy you a drink and then tries to kiss you, that would be sexual assault because you are not allowed to, you cannot physically consent in Canada legally if you're under the influence of alcohol. So that's a big, 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 big no-no that, that we recommend on the show, not just for protecting our, our bodies, like making us feel valuable, but also for, for legal, like it, it can get complicated. There's a lot of cases in Canada around this now, which are causing problems for a lot of people. So the thing is, you're, you're going to, if you say no to everyone, guys, everyone, you're going to crave connection. And the person who offers to buy a drink or something, you're going to go for often just because you miss the connection so much. You want the feeling of connection. But guys, what is this? In our analogy, guys, these are the people, the wrong people, the people who just stole from you. Come back, knocking on your door, banging on the door. You say no, but you're under the influence of alcohol, so you're not really in the position to push them away. And they just walk right in, go to, the go, go to your jewelry box in your room, take whatever they want, and walk away. Guys, these are the people who try to take advantage of you when you're under the influence of alcohol. The people who, especially at night when it's late and you can't think properly, are looking for an easy theft, an easy steal, guys. These are the wrong people. If that's not, if you don't like it, when people just come into your house, take and go, and don't contact you again, by saying no to everyone, you are preparing yourself to be taken advantage of by the wrong people. A better thing to do would be to make more realistic ideas. So instead of saying, I reject everyone who comes knocking at my door, you can say something like, 
I only accept kind and respectful people who not, you know, who are very polite and ask. They don't try to walk in. They ask to speak at the entrance. If somebody asks you to go for coffee or to go for a walk or something, they're asking you basically to, to meet at the entrance. That's a very, 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 very good sign. This is like a wow, easiest to reject, but also the best sign if they're looking just to have that with you. It shows that they also have boundaries too and limits and that they feel that they themselves are valuable because they're not just going to go all the way into someone else's house. They're going to stay out the door too until they're comfortable going in. It's so important. So, so, so important. So in this episode, we talked about learning to protect our hearts the smart way through setting limits, guys, limits. What do we share with others? What do we allow others to do with us? How much of ourselves do we give to others? We talked about categorizing our limits in the different parts of ourselves in different rooms of the house, and then slowly, slowly, guys, unpeel the onion, slowly introduce these concepts as you get to know the person, as they prove their worth. Do this over many, many times, like 15, 17, 20 times before you take them to your jewelry box especially guys with things that are fragile. Don't allow yourself to get broken so easily. The things that are fragile to you, you're going to lock away until they've earned the permission and and you really believe that they're the right ones who are going to help you piece it together and make it stronger. It takes a lot of interactions and seeing consistency and the right intentions in these interactions to get there. Guys, by doing this, you're going to scare away the wrong people. People who are looking for an easy steal, if you say, I'll go a walk for a walk with you tomorrow, but I'm not going to kiss you tonight, are going to look for someone else. They are looking for an easy steal. If you make it very, very clear from the beginning that they're not going to get the very easy steal from you because the doors are locked and you slowly only allow people to look at them, to, to experience them with you, once they've earned the, the right by proving their worth, they're just going to go away, guys. They're not going to bother you anymore. They're going to go to another house. We also talked about how it's so, so important for attracting the right people too, because if people see people moving freely through your house, going right to the jewelry box, they're going to think there's nothing valuable there. They're just going to keep walking. And also it's going to make you feel much better too, because you're going to say, wow, when I make people work for me, consistency, consistently, I actually feel valuable. Oh my goodness, I'm something that is worth working for. If you tell yourself, guys, remember your thoughts become your reality. We're going to explore this in an entire series that we have in our big question series, which is going to come up later, maybe next month. Um, if you tell yourself, I am worth protecting, you will feel more comfortable placing these limits to allow others to have the opportunity to work for you. But if you're telling yourself that you're not worth protecting and you don't allow people the opportunity to, to work, or like if you say, I'm, I'm not worth working for, but you don't give people the opportunity to work for you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Like not only are, are you saying that you're not worth working for, but you're not allowing other people to work for you, which is just going to make the cycle go on and on and on. Okay, as, as you, like, because your mind will make up a story to believe the situation that you're in. Okay, so the more that you treat yourself this way, the more your mind will believe that you're the kind of person who gets treated this way 
and the more it will continue until you break, until there's some sort of major crisis or wake-up call. You know, I hope it doesn't get there. That, that shows you that there are better ways of doing things. And finally, we talked about the importance of the outside of your house, guys. If the wrong guests are knocking, you got to think, what am I doing, okay? What does my house look like on the outside? Is it clean? Does it look valuable? Does it, like, is it, is it something that people would want to approach? We talk a lot more about this in our blog. This whole blog, by the way, was inspired this whole, sorry, this whole podcast was inspired by our blog post, How to Protect Our Hearts the Smart Way. It's full of infographics too, if you want to see there. But the big thing there is you have to ask yourself to determine if your house is something that is, like, that looks valuable. You have to set that up by asking yourself questions like, well, do I treat my thoughts like there's something better valuable? Do I treat my passions like there's something worth pursuing? Do I treat myself like I'm something worth protecting or working for? By doing this, guys, you can transform your house. You can renovate it and make it much more likely to attract the right visitors. And by learning how to treat visitors when they come, by moving slowly, you're more likely to screen the right visitors, guys. Okay, not just attract the right visitors, but keep the right visitors and screen the right visitors so that the right person can make it to your jewelry box. Eventually, the parts about you that are the most sensitive, okay, or, or that takes the longest to share. Eventually, after a long time, for some people, even years, guys, even decades, okay, it just depends on, on you, you're going to get the right people, and then as soon as the right people build this very strong connection with you through understanding you more and you doing the same thing for them. Because remember, we said love is knowing. You can only know somebody, you can only love somebody as much as you know them. It's something we believe, at least for healthy love. I don't know, like, otherwise you could say that you're just projecting, okay, but that's not really who they are. But for healthy love, slowly, guys, using limits, allow people to know you and help ensure that they're the right people through taking the steps that we outlined. Remember, your heart can only get broken to the extent that you share it with others. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't share your heart at all, but it should mean that you should be very careful in what you choose to share and when you choose to share it so that the right people can get access to the right parts when the time is right to create a very strong, healthy, and beautiful relationship for the both of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Learn to Love podcast, How to Protect Our Hearts the Smart Way. If you want to learn more, check out our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog. We have a blog post related to this. We are accepting submissions to this blog right now. So if there's an idea that you want to share, you can reach out to us on the website. And what do you think of the podcast? What did you think of the structure of this episode? We'd love to hear your feedback send us an email at contact at learnlove.ca. We're super excited to be welcoming you back to the next episode where we're going to talk about how we need to take care of ourselves to take care of others. So with that, thanks again for listening. We hope you found all this information meaningful and we'll catch you in the next episode.